The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Today, we're going to be getting straight into the Word and we want to be talking about how our focus should be, uh, uh, where our focus should be during a time of crisis. It's very important uh, for you to determine your focus, for you to uh, be able to, to choose what you focus on during a time of crisis. Why? Because whatever you focus on uh, grows. So if you focus on the problem during a time of crisis, the problem is going to begin to grow. And uh, all of a sudden, it will start overwhelming you. And scripture says in the, in the New Testament, Jesus speaking, he says, and their hearts uh, failed them. You know, and your heart will fail you when you begin to focus on, on the world and the crisis and everything that's going on. But when you begin to focus on God and make God big in your life, the problem begins to shrink. See, when you focus on the problem, the problem grows and your God, the perspective of God that you have uh, begins to shrink. But when you focus on God, the problem shrinks and God gets bigger. So the psalmist wrote in Psalm uh, chapter number 34 from verse 1 to 4. This is what the psalmist said. This is David. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Notice it didn't say I will bless the Lord only in the good times. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will, which means uh, blessing the Lord and praising God is an absolute act of your will. He didn't say the Holy Ghost will make me praise the Lord. He said, no, I will. I make a choice. It's a volition that I'm going to make uh, uh, to praise the Lord, to bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. It's interesting that he didn't say uh, complaining shall be uh, continually in my mouth. He didn't say my opinions shall continually be in my mouth. He didn't say, you know, the problems of the world. Man, some people have become experts in, in, in becoming commentators of the world current affairs uh, with regards to this uh, coronavirus. Man, that's all they talk about. They say, do you know this is going to happen? Do you, you know what should be filling up your mouth? What should be filling up your mouth is God's praise. He says his praise shall continually uh, be in my mouth. And David went through a whole lot of challenges. And this was a decision that he had to make that even while I'm going through challenges, the only thing that's going to be uh, filling up my mouth continually is not going to be what's going on. It's not go the Goliath. It's, it's the living God that I serve that's going to fill up my mouth. And so I want to encourage you uh, this morning to make a commitment, a decision that during this that this next uh, 16 or 15 days that are left in the quarantine and 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 life beyond that. I'm not I'm not just talking about the way to live uh, during this crisis. I'm talking about life beyond the crisis. We should make sure that the praises of God uh, continually uh, be in our mouth. He says, "My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad." Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Listen, when you start focusing on God, he begins to deliver you from all your fears. 
Man, that's awesome. Scripture says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, He shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. But I like what he says in verse 3. He says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And this used to confuse me. He says, How do you make a God who is already big, bigger? How do you magnify a God who is uh, omnipresent, who is everywhere, who uh, fills up all space? How do you uh, exalt his name, yet his name is already uh, the name above every other name? That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. How do you exalt him? Where else can you exalt him? And here, you know, the Holy Spirit really ministered to me and he said, Tafara, you, you're not magnifying him out there because out there he is, he is, he is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of Lords. He is God Almighty. He reigns supreme. So you're not magnifying him out there. You're magnifying him in your heart because in your heart uh, there is a possibility that you could uh, uh, stop magnifying him. You could stop making him big and start making other things big. In the midst of life challenges, man, the temptation is to make the storm bigger than what it really is. But when you start making God big in your heart, when you start magnifying him in your heart, when you start exalting him and making his name greater than any other name, than cancer, than, than any sickness, than any poverty, than any virus, you start making his name greater, man, I'm telling you, it will just cure all your fears. So there's an interesting, real practical story that we see in the Bible uh, that I came across this week in just reading the word and spending time with the Lord. And I thought I would share this with you quickly uh, as we encourage one another uh, uh, during this time. It says uh, in, in, in 2 Kings chapter number 18, I want to read from 2 Kings chapter number 18 uh, from verse uh, uh, 25, just a brief a quick preview. Uh, this is Hezekiah who had just come into power to replace his dad, Ahaz, uh, who would always pay tributaries to the king uh, of Assyria. And so when Hezekiah came into power, he decided he wasn't going to serve the king of Assyria with any more uh, of the taxes from, from, from Jerusalem. And the king of Syria didn't let off easily. Uh, so he sent a word to threaten Hezekiah. So Hezekiah uh, is, is, is in the midst of a crisis in terms of leading, you know, the children of Israel in the city of uh, Jerusalem. And it says in verse 25, I'm reading in the Message Bible, by the way, I just want you to, to get the, the, the picture of what's going on here. So uh, the king of Assyria sent some messengers to go and talk to Hezekiah, uh, the man of God who was uh, leading the nation of uh, Israel. And uh, this is what, what they say to him in verse 25. He says, do you think I've come up here to destroy this country without the express approval of God? So the king of Assyria uh, thought that he was uh, acting on behalf of God. And he, this is why we need discernment. You know, the king of Assyria was definitely not working on behalf of God. And Hezekiah had enough discernment to tell that this is not it. This is not right. He's not going to uh, uh, fold. So he says in verse 26, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah and Shebna and Joah said to Rabshakeh, please speak to us in Aramaic language. We understand Aramaic. Don't speak in Hebrew. Everyone crowded on the city wall can hear you. So evidently, the king of Assyria had sent his uh, uh, spokesperson to come and in 
instill fear in the children of Israel. So what they did is they came into the city of Jerusalem, and instead of going into the private chambers of the king, they started shouting this instruction. They started saying, man, do you think we came to, to, to destroy this country without the express approval of God? God send us. And so, you know, the king's aides, uh, King Hezekiah's aides are saying to him, come on, come on in and start talking to us in Aramaic because the common man could not understand Aramaic, could not speak Aramaic. So he said, man, stop speaking in Hebrew because everybody can hear you. <laughs> You're going to put fear in these people. And that's exactly what they wanted to do. How many of you know that when you start listening to the words of the enemy, he's ultimate goal. The enemy does not have any power. He does not have any authority over you. The only power that he has is the power of deception. And he tries to deceive you by speaking words uh, uh, that are flowery, words that are filled with fear and so on and so forth. And you need to learn how not to take heed to the words of the enemy and take heed to the words uh, of God. He says in verse 27, but Rabsh uh, Rabshakana said, we weren't sent with a private message to your master and to you. This is a public message to everyone within earshot. After all, they are all involved in this as well as you. If you don't come to terms, they'll be eating their own turds and drinking their own pee right along with you. I mean, this is a big threat, you know, that the king of Assyria is making uh, towards the children of Israel. And he says in, from verse 28 to 32, then he stepped forward and spoke in Hebrew loud enough for everyone to hear. He said, listen carefully to the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Don't let Hezekiah fool you. He can't save you. We know that. We know that Hezekiah can't save us. He, he, he's not the one that brings salvation. You know, I thought the children of Israel would at least know that. He said, and don't let Hezekiah give you that line about trusting in God, telling you God will save us. No, so... What Hezekiah would do every time he has faced with a threat is he would go to the people and you say, God will save us. What he would do is he would go to the people and say, we trust in the living God. Man, what a man of God. And here the enemy is saying, don't trust those words. What the enemy was saying is... Just speaking those words is not a strategy because the enemy lacks spiritual perspective. He doesn't understand that in saying that I trust in the Lord. Remember Psalm 91? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. When you vocalize those words, when you begin to speak by faith, something happens. When you say God will save us, that word save in the Greek is sozo. When you say God will sozo us, God will save us, you are drawing your deliverance. You are drawing your protection from God. That word in the Greek sozo means uh, to be delivered from distraction. It means to be healed. It means to be prospered and so on and so forth. And when Hezekiah would go and pronounce to his people, God will save us. Our God is the God of salvation. He's the God of soterio. He's the God that's going to uh, deliver us. Those words carried power. And the enemy did not understand that because he doesn't understand the power of words. He doesn't understand the power of putting our confidence and our trust in something spiritual. Let me tell you, uh, brothers and sisters, if you put your confidence in the natural during this season, 
you are most likely going to be disappointed. You, you, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, I've just been watching the news and people that put their confidence in, in, in the natural, they, they constantly and are consistently being disappointed, whether it's the news from the economic front and how the finances are going to look uh, after this virus or whether it's the news of getting a cure uh, for this virus. I mean, there's always like a false hope. Oh, yeah, we found the cure. Oh, no, it's really not a cure. Oh, we found a vaccine oh no it's really not a vaccine but those that choose to put their trust in the living god are constant and consistent in their faith so i want to encourage you to start putting your confidence and your trust in the right place you put your confidence and your trust in the living god and uh, this is why you know david said in psalms 20 verse 7 he says while others put their confidence and their trust in horses and chariots, we choose to put our confidence and our trust in the living God. We choose to put our trust and our confidence in the name of the Lord. Why? Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. So you and I have to learn how to put our confidence, not in horses and chariots, we have to learn how to put our trust in the living God. We have to learn how to put our trust in the name of the Lord. And that's what Hezekiah was doing here. Completely outnumbered. The Assyrian uh, army at the time, man, they had tons and tons of people in their army. They had millions of people in their army. And uh, almost every other city that they had come against, they had literally taken over and just literally run over the city. And now they were coming to Jerusalem to, to, to wage war against uh, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah did not have enough ammunition. He didn't have enough horses and chariots. When David wrote Psalm 20 verse 7, he says, Some put their trust in horses and chariots, and I choose to put my trust in the name of the Lord, uh, he was talking about ammunition. Back in the day, if you had horses and chariots, enough of them uh, uh, to outnumber your enemy, man, you were at an advantage in terms of warfare. And here, David is saying, it's not in horses and chariots. See, because sometimes people miss it. And David is not saying, do not use horses and chariots. He's just saying he doesn't put his trust in them. So I'm not saying do not use, you know, medicine and cures and, and so on and so forth. Do not try and seek help in the natural. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying do not try and put your trust uh, 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 in the natural. We know that David used natural means to defeat Goliath. He went and he picked five stones. And these were not spiritual stones. These were real stones. <laughs> and he used a slingshot. And this was not a spiritual slingshot. It was a real uh, 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 physical slingshot. But this is what David said when he came before Goliath. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to come against the armies of the living God? David uh, shows us exactly who he was putting his trust in, in the living God. He says, today I will cut your head and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll feed your carcasses to the birds. See, when you start putting your trust and your confidence in the living God, there's a supernatural strength that comes upon you. This is why David would write things like, uh, uh, with, the, with the Lord's help, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. If you've ever watched a superhero movie, you know, Spider-Man or something, you see them running through a troop and scaling over walls and so on and so forth. Man, David started off that stuff. He said, man, I can, with the Lord's help, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you start drawing your strength 
from the living God. When you start focusing and, and moving your trust. See, what I'm talking about is moving your trust from the natural to the spiritual. Because there is more happening in the spiritual than what's happening in the natural. And I'm trying to get you to, to turn your head from uh, all the chaos that's going on around you. I'm trying to get you to stop Googling about the coronavirus. I'm trying to get you to stop Googling all the stuff that you can get about this sickness and start Googling about how powerful God Almighty is and start focusing your attention on God. Man, that, 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 that sure blessed somebody. Man, you need to stop focusing on, on the storm and start focusing on God. Amen. It says in Psalm 33 verse 17, a horse is a vain hope of salvation. Man, when you try to get your, 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 your strength and your, your source or your soterio, your deliverance, your prosperity, your healing from natural means, he says a horse is a vain hope of salvation. I'm reading in the Berean Study Bible. That's the version uh, that I'm reading, Psalm 33 verse 17. It says a horse is a vain hope of salvation. Even its great strength cannot save. Even its great strength, it cannot save. Only God's almighty uh, strength can save. Again, that word save includes being delivered from destruction. Only God's power can deliver us out of this uh, uh, crisis. And so the story goes on and the servants, you know, they're speaking to the king of, of, of Jerusalem, Hezekiah, and they say, do not listen to Hezekiah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. How many of you know that Hezekiah knew what he was talking about? He says, God will save us. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And he knew uh, that he needed to vocalize it because the, the power of death and life is resident in your tongue. And listen, man, Hebrews 10 verse 23 says we should hold on to the confession of our faith without wavering. And he puts in brackets, for he is faithful who has promised us all these things. God is faithful. And therefore, when we say God will save us and we stand on that word without wavering, we will surely see the deliverance and the salvation of the Lord. Man, you need to stand on God's word. And so the, you know, the, 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 the king of Assyria's uh, 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 representatives came and they continued, you know, vocalizing these threats to Hezekiah. They said, Hezekiah doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to the king of Assyria. Deal with me and live the good life. So they start making a promise to the children of, of Israel in, in Jerusalem. He says, man, work with me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the good life. Man, you're not going to get the good life from the king of Assyria. He's lying to you. I'll guarantee everyone your own plot of ground. He starts offering them prosperity, a garden and a well. I'll take you to a land sweeter by far than this one, a land of grain and wine, bread and vineyards, olive orchards and honey. You only live once, so live, really live. I mean, this guy is making a false uh, promise. Thank God Hezekiah didn't fall for it. He says in uh, verse 32, no. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't listen to these lies telling you God will save us. Yes, indeed, God will save us. Has there ever been a God anywhere who delivered anyone from the king of Assyria? See, some of you are Googling to see what this sickness has done to other people and it's putting fear uh, 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 onto you. And, and man, it's just a wrong way of measuring God's strength, what this thing has done to other people because you don't know where they stand with the Lord. You don't know what their relationship was with God. He says, 
Uh, yeah, has there ever been a God anywhere who delivered anyone from the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath or Arpad? Where are the gods of um, Sepavaim, Hena and Eva and Samaria? So he starts listing all these people who had died of Corona. <laughs> he started listing all these people who had been defeated by the king of Assyria. He says, where were their gods? How come their gods didn't save them? Can you name a God who saved anyone anywhere from me, the king of Assyria? So what makes you think that God can save Jerusalem from me? The people were silent. No one spoke a word for the king had ordered, don't let anyone say a word, not one word. Man, I like the decree that Hezekiah made. He said, do not let anyone vocalize their fears. Do not let anyone uh, bring this death to life by putting it in their mouth and speaking it out. Everybody keep quiet. And sometimes when you don't have enough strength to speak faith, just hush. Just keep quiet. Just, 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 just keep quiet and meditate on God's word until it's full in your heart and it starts pushing into your mouth. It says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Just keep quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say we're going to die. We're going to perish. Don't, don't give in. Don't give up. Just, just keep your mouth uh, uh, shut. And after this threat, scripture says in Second uh, Kings chapter number 19, verse 1, it says that Hezekiah went into the temple to inquire of the Lord. I like Hezekiah. He didn't go to his uh, uh, minister of, uh, 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 of the uh, armed forces. He went to the temple of the Lord because he knew uh, where his, his, his deliverance would come from. So he went into the temple of the Lord to inquire of the Lord. And then Isaiah the prophet uh, brought a word from the Lord. And this is what it says in 2 Kings uh, chapter number 19 now. We are in chapter number 19, so you can flip a page uh, and we'll read uh, chapter number 19. I hope you are following with this. It says in verse 29, I'm reading in the New King James Bible now. This is uh, 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 Isaiah uh, giving a word from the Lord to uh, Hezekiah. Man, you should read all the way from, from, from verse 1 all the way through to this. This is a powerful chapter. But it says here in verse 29, This shall be a sign to you. You shall eat this year such as grows of itself. I mean, God starts off with prosperity. He says you're not going to have to toil. For your provision this year you shall eat stuff that grows of itself some of you may be wondering how you're going to be sustained you know i know a lot of small business owners have been in panic and wondering what are we going to do after this crisis it was similar to this uh, uh, uh what uh, uh jerusalem was going through at the time it says you shall eat this year of something that grows of itself what's that talking about it's talking about a supernatural provision is talking about God providing for you supernaturally. And he says, and in the second year, what springs from the same? And two years, they were sustained supernaturally by God because they, did, they hadn't had an opportunity to go out into the fields and, and plant because they were waging war against this king of Assyria. And he says, also in the third year, you shall begin to sow and you will reap. Plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. Verse 30, and the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take a root downward and bear fruit upward. Verse 31, for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Man, this is powerful. He says the zeal of the Lord of hosts. See, a lot of people forget that God Almighty is the Lord of hosts. That phrase, the Lord of hosts, means he's the chief 
uh, a commander in chief of the armies of heaven, the armies of the angels. He says, the Lord of hosts will do this. You know, I was getting a lot of conspiracy theories. You know, people were sending me all kinds of articles about what's going on in the world and, you know, how we should all panic and just, just you know, fold and, and fall apart and so on and so forth. And my reply to them was, I think you're forgetting something that's significant uh, in this picture. And they say, what is it, Pastor T, that I'm forgetting? And I'll tell them, man, you're forgetting that we serve the Lord of hosts. You're forgetting that God is a good God. He's our heavenly father, but he's also the commander in chief of uh, heavenly armies. I'm talking about God is a warrior. You know, Jesus came in, his, in the first advent as the lamb of God. And a lot of people forget that when he comes back this time, he's coming back riding on a white horse with the sword proceeding out of his mouth, the double-edged sword proceeding out of his mouth he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of judah to set up government so he's not coming to play with you he's coming he's coming as a warrior and a lot of people forget that god god almighty has all the power in the entire universe to take care of business so people are folding and they're panicking why because they look at everything purely from a natural perspective they never dare to take a peep and look at what is happening in the spiritual realm god is the lord of hosts god has is the commander in chief of the armies of heaven and when you dare to come against the children of god i mean you begin to come face to face with this side of god so our god will protect us the the the, the heavenly armies of god will defend us so you don't have to fear you don't have to worry god knew about all these little conspiracy theories before the foundations of the world and he had already made a provision for his for, for a solution all we have to do like hezekiah is to focus on on god it is to draw our trust and and and, and our sustenance uh, from god our salvation from god it says in verse uh, the lord of hosts it says in verse 32 therefore that says the lord concerning the king of assyria he shall not come into this city. This is God speaking. He says it's not possible. He's not going to defeat you. Nor shoot any arrow there. Not a single arrow. Nor come before it with a shield. Nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same way he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. Says who? <laughs> says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it, to sozo it. Remember, we say the Greek word for uh, save is sozo. I will defend this city to heal it, to prosper it, to de deliver it from destruction, uh, to give it my peace, and so on and so forth. And God said in verse 34, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake. God is doing it for his own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, God is saying he's doing it for a covenant uh, that he had uh, committed to David 400 years prior uh, to the king of Assyria trying to attack Jerusalem. And he's saying that, listen, I'm doing, I'm keeping a commitment. I'm keeping my word. The word that I gave to David 400 years ago is the word, is the reason why I'm going to defend this city. Now, if God is doing this for David's sake. How much more will God do for you and me for Jesus' sake? Man, we have a better covenant established on better promises. God will even do much more for us. 
Man, we have no reason to fear. We have no reason to worry. God is our defender. Amen. He says, uh, 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 verse 35, And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out uh, and killed in the camp of the Assyrians. So at this time, the Assyrians had come and they had surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And uh, by the night, they would grab their hammers because there was a wall, 20-meter wall, uh, surrounding the city of Jerusalem because King uh, Hezekiah had fortified the wall. I mean, it was a sacrificial work that the people did. People would break down uh, uh, certain rooms in their houses and they would bring those bricks uh, to the building of the wall. And so they had fortified the wall about 20 meters wall. But in the natural, uh, uh, even though the wall was 20 meters, there is no way it, it was going to deliver, you know, uh, a deliverance for them because we are talking about 185,000 soldiers that were uh, laying siege of the city of Jerusalem. And most of them would come during the day and they would hit the wall with the hammers. Can you imagine just sitting at home and waiting? while hearing, waiting for God's salvation, while hearing in the natural, the sound of them just hitting and, and, and buffeting the walls of Jerusalem, just boom, just boom. As you sit in your home and you hear this sound and what are they doing? They're trying to come in and, 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 and cut your head off. They're trying to kill you. And, and your king is saying, Hezekiah is saying, man, don't worry. We will see the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah brings a word, don't worry. Uh, not a single person will lose their lives. Man, it's just awesome. It's an awesome picture of facts versus the truth. Fact is what you are listening to and hearing through these physical ears. You know, when we say in 2 Corinthians uh, 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, that's what we are talking about. You never walk by uh, uh, what you uh, receive through these five senses. You know, sight, smell, taste, uh, touch, and, and hear. I mean, they could hear the sound of the walls uh, being buffeted, the sound of the walls being uh, hammered. They could hear the sound. Boom. Can you imagine going to sleep uh, to the sound of these hammers? Boom! As you're trying to sleep. But some of you would have nightmares. Not if you have your trust in the Lord. And so they went to sleep at night. And this is what the scripture says in verse 35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people, the people of Jerusalem, the Israelites, arose early in the morning... They were the corpses, everyone dead. So can you imagine, you go to sleep to the sound of the wall being hammered, you wake up the next day to a peace that surpasses all understanding. You, walk, you wake up the next day to a silence that's deafening. You wake up and you wonder, where did those people go? And you walk over to the wall to peep, to see what's happening with the uh, Assyrian soldiers, and all you see is dead bodies everywhere. What happened? The salvation of the Lord. What happened? Only one angel. This is what puzzles me. This is what baffles me. It says only one angel angel came out at night one angel came out at night and killed a hundred and eighty five yeah you read it right he killed a hundred and eighty five thousand soldiers one angel now scripture says he's the lord of hosts he's talking about he is the lord of thousands upon thousands of angels now think of how many thousands upon thousands of angels uh, uh, will kill 
I mean, they, they will literally take out the entire world. <laughs> Praise God. They will literally fight on your behalf. But here, it says 185,000 men were put down by one soldiers. How mighty and how awesome our God is and how powerful our God is. I'm saying all of this to try and get you to see that our God is not a wimp. Our God hasn't fallen off the throne. God is not dead. Our God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is God almighty. He is all powerful and he cannot be defeated and his children will not be defeated because God will fight on their behalf. So stop being in fear. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious about what's going on around you and start focusing on God and start drawing on the power of God. Man, this is powerful. And if you continue reading the story, it says uh, the king of the Assyrians went back. He ran away and went back to the city. And one day when he was in the temple of his gods, little, small letter G, little Mickey Mouse gods, you know, his children came and uh, one of his sons killed him. His little Mickey mouse god couldn't even defend him against his own children they came and they killed him our god will defend us against a mighty army his little god couldn't defend him against a little uh, mickey mouse boy that came and drew his sword and killed him man i'm telling you we have a powerful god amen and and when you look at this from a spiritual perspective you realize that we are safe scripture says in isaiah 47 verse 4 as for our Redeemer, talking about our, our, our God, he says the Lord of hosts is his name, the commander-in-chief, that's his name, the Holy One of Israel. Amen? Jesus is our defender. Jesus will defend us. Jesus will protect us. Quickly, as we close, I just want to read for you John chapter number 10 uh, from verse 27 to 30. This is the chapter where Jesus is talking about uh, how he is the good shepherd. He says, I am uh, the good shepherd. If you read the book of John, there are seven statements. I am statements that Jesus makes. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the vine. Uh, he says, I am the light. And, and here he says, I am the good shepherd. It's the same chapter that he says in uh, John chapter number 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's in the context of a good uh, shepherd. Uh, he's looking after this sheep, and at the night, the thief would try to come and, 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 and steal from the sheep, kill the sheep, destroy the sheep. And he says that the good shepherd, no, nothing is going to happen uh, of that sort. You know why? Because I came that the sheep might have life and have it more abundantly. So the context of John 10 verse 10 is him being the, the, the good shepherd, the one that, 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 that takes care of us, the good shepherd, the one that lays down his life uh, for his sheep. And it's interesting uh, that Jesus, when he was uh, picking on an an animal to represent us. He didn't pick on a lion. He, he picked on sheep. You know why? Because all he wants us to do is to just follow him. All he wants us to do is, is to just trust on him and to depend on him. Sheep never fight uh, for themselves. They, they rely on the shepherd to fight for them. And that's what that's God's heart for you and me. Every now and again in the Old Testament, you would remind the prophets, this is not even your battle. This is my battle, says the Lord. And he's reminding you today that this is not even your battle. This is my battle. So quit trying to do it in your own strength. 
especially after these 21 days when we go out back into the marketplace some of you are going to be tempted to try and do it in your own strength to try and save uh, your business no you can't save your business only god can save your business some of you are going to try to save your ministry no you can't save your ministry only god uh, can save your ministry some of you are going to try to uh, save your career no you can't do it so quit trying and start depending on God and let God bring his salvation uh, 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 in a way that only he knows how. Amen. He says in verse 27 of John chapter number 10, this is Jesus speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Notice he says, my sheep follow me. Verse 28, I give unto them eternal life zoe life the god kind of abundant life that's what uh, jesus came to give us zoe life the god kind of abundant life nothing missing and nothing broken i give unto them uh, eternal life and they shall never perish did you read that some of you are afraid of dying let's read it one more time it says they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand this is the good shepherd speaking. He says, you can't pluck any of my sheep out of my hand. It's not, it's not possible. You can't do it. You don't have enough strength to do it. There's no one with enough power to do it. He says, verse 29, my father which gave them to me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands. And I and my father are one. So there's a double hand there of protection. Jesus' hand, God the Father's hand. And he's saying no man can pluck you out of their hand. No man can take you out of the sheepfold. No man can do it. It's impossible. You can't. They can't do it. They can't breach uh, the security that God has put around you. They can't do it. You and I are safe. All we have to do is to believe it. You just have to meditate in these truths until you believe it. You know that I can't be snuffed out because I have a good shepherd. Psalm 23, we usually quote it at, at funerals, and the Lord gave it to me to read out to you. Uh, it talks about, you know, Jesus being the good shepherd as well. It says in Psalm 23... Uh, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is my shepherd, therefore I shall not be in lack, I shall not be in want. Man, I'm telling you, some of you think that the real battle is going to be around uh, this virus. But let me tell you, uh, the real battle is going to be around provision. That's where the enemy is really, really uh, trying to hurt people of God. And in this season, you're going to have to learn how to trust God with your provision. You're going to have to learn how to, to stand on that word that says, I've been young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children beg for bread. Man, you need to stand in that word that says, uh, my God shall supply all of my needs. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory uh, by Christ Jesus. You need to stand uh, in that word that believes that God's provision is going to come to you during this season. I mean, it's going to be uh, uh, the next few months for some, the next few years for some, but this is this is the way we live. We, we put our confidence and our trust in the good shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. So if the Lord is your shepherd, he's going to lead you to green pastures. Man, the, 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 the sheep that have the good shepherd 
ought to be the best looking ship in town, the well-fed ship in town, the most secure ship in town. You get where I'm drawing to? The Christians should be the most provided for, the most secure people you can ever know. You know why? Because they have the best, their good shepherd, their best shepherd in town. <laughs> Praise God. He says he leads us uh, 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 to lie down in green pastures. He's talking about provision. He leads me beside still waters. You know, people who have looked after sheep have often said, you know, sheep don't, they get ruffled when they, and they don't like to drink around running waters. They like to drink from still waters. And here the Lord who is our shepherd, the good shepherd will lead us beside still waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's interesting that every time that he talks about the good shepherd, he uses the word lead, not drive. Because the way Jesus looks after sheep is he goes to the front, which is different from you know the way you look after cows. When you're looking after cows, you have to go behind them and drive them. You know, autocratic leadership and just almost get a, a whip and make sure that you're whipping them back into line. That's not how God leads his children. He goes to the front and we get to follow. It's a choice to follow Jesus. Uh, uh, at the day you get born again and uh, from the day you get born again as you manifest the promises of God, it's a choice. Every single day, to, you need to make a decision, make a choice that I'm going to follow Jesus. And when you make that choice, that decision, he will lead you in two things, into green pastures. He's going to lead you beside still waters. He's going to lead you to a place where you will not want. You will not be in lack. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Again, he's talking about walking through because the Lord is our good shepherd. We don't get to camp in the valley. We don't get to, you know, build a house in the valley. No, we just go through it. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why we can't fear evil? Because we know we have a good shepherd. <laughs> who is powerful enough to defend us against the bears, against the lions. You know, David was a good shepherd. He fought the bear, he fought the lion to defend the sheep. And I believe God is, Jesus is a hundred million times better than, 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 than David was in terms of being a good shepherd. And so, because of that, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy, man, that's powerful. And, and, and these are not people, by the way, you know. <laughs> I remember growing up, I used to think, surely, because I know a guy called Sure. And I know someone called goodness and I know someone called mercy. So I used to think these were real people uh, who would be following us all the days of our lives. No, he's talking about spiritual truths. He's saying it's a sure thing. Surely goodness, good things and mercy, the mercy of God, where God is not bringing to us the things that we truly deserve by his mercy. Uh, uh, God stops the judgment that was coming to us that we truly deserved. 
Mercy is when God stops the things uh, that you truly deserve from coming into your account. And grace is when God lets the things that you don't deserve come into your account. Man, none of us deserve this deliverance. None of us deserve this salvation. But God keeps saying, for my sake and for Jesus' sake, for what Jesus did at the cross, I will deliver you. I will bless you. I will prosper you. So he says, yeah, surely. It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. It's not maybe. It's not a high probability. It's a sure thing. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. As I follow the Lord, goodness and mercy is following me. As I follow Jesus, goodness and mercy, good things. And this is the good report that I choose to believe. That after these 21 days, uh, uh, in the next 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, man, we're still going to have goodness and mercy following me around. These are the bodyguards of life, goodness and mercy. They're going to be following me around all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever ever praise god man i just thought i'd encourage you with this and and i'm telling you when i read uh, this story of hezekiah in the old testament during the past week it just fired me up it encouraged me it blessed me to know that we have uh, a god who is almighty god began to speak to me he said tafara don't pay attention to the conspiracy theories don't pay attention to all the chaos that's happening in the world begin to draw and 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 have an intimate understanding and knowledge of who i am i am god almighty i'll fight uh, on your behalf. I'll defend you. And when you settle that in your heart, man, you can have a peace in the midst of a storm. You can go to sleep at night uh, knowing that we have a God uh, who is almighty, who is a warrior. One angel, man, don't ever forget this. That one angel went and at one swing, I'd like to believe, killed 185,000 soldiers. These were not uh, 185,000 weak men. These are 185,000 warriors. And one angel went and took care of all of them. And you and I have an angel. At least you have one angel that God is, has sent to you, uh, uh, ministering spirits, heir to those who are heirs of, of salvation. You have an angel uh, that, that, that's to your protection. And as you speak the word of God, as you vocalize that God will save us, as you begin to speak faith and hold on to those words without, without uh, a wavering. Hold on to the words of faith without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful to accomplish it. God watches over his word to perform it. And his word for you is that he is the God of salvation. He is our Lord of breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. I trust that you are blessed with this teaching. And uh, on Friday, we're going to be back here uh, talking about uh, 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 what the significance of Jesus dying on the cross is to us New Testament believers. And on Sunday, you don't want to miss it. We're going to be talking about what happened in the three days and the three nights uh, that Jesus uh, was in the uttermost parts of the world and what that means for us as New Testament uh, believers. And the book that we're going to be offering this week is uh, my first ever uh, publication. It is called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Some of you may be wondering, is this the Lord's doing? This corona thing, is this the Lord's doing? Uh, if you read this book, you'll be able to tell 
uh, beyond a shadow of doubt that this is not the Lord's doing, that God is good and that is good all the time, that he doesn't use plagues, he doesn't use sickness, he doesn't use uh, all manner of crazy things to try and get his children to repent. He actually uses his goodness. That's Romans 2 verse 4. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So please be sure uh, to send us an email. If you'd like an e-copy of this book, please be sure to send us an email uh, on admin at faithhillchurch.co.za. Man, today is double portion Sunday. So we're not just going to give you this one because we were talking about the power of words and how you should speak life into this situation, into your home, into your business, into what's coming into the future. Man, you get a double portion this week. In the next seven days, it's going to be double portion and uh, double, double. We sing songs about double, double. You're about to get double for your trouble. And uh, you can also send an email to get Design Your Life uh, with Your Words. This is a book uh, that was written by my beautiful wife. And she's here running the production this morning. And she's going to be here with me. Uh, uh, teaching on Friday and on Sunday. We're going to take communion as a family and we're going to encourage you to, to do the same when we do so. So design your life with your words. This is a powerful book. It's also got confessions uh, that you can make over your life. Um, I am confessions that are going to help you build on... Uh, on, on, on Christ's esteem, who you are in Jesus. Not just who you are as a person, but who you are uh, in Christ. You know, things like I am complete, according to Colossians 2, uh, verse 10. Things like I am holy and I am blameless. I am without faith in God's eyes, according to Ephesians 1, verse 4. Every confession is scripture-based because God watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't watch over nice words. He watches over his word to perform it. Uh, I choose confessions. Uh, Deuteronomy 30:19 says, He has said before us, death and life, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. So these confessions help you to choose. I choose life. I choose to think life, speak life, and live life. Confessions for healing. Uh, it says, uh, by his stripes I am healed, First Peter 2, 24, Matthew 8, 17. God desires above all things that I, I be in health. God wants me well. God has provided healing as the part of redemption. Therefore, sickness has no place in my life, and I command it to die in Jesus' name. These are confessions that you can make. And for all you uh, business people, uh, career people, this is uh, uh, another chapter of confessions for your business and career. Uh, let me just pick one here. It says, I'm not a, I, I am a problem solver. I'm not a problem. <laughs> Man, this is a powerful confession because some people have problems out there. It says, I am a problem solver, not a problem. I am the answer. I have the favor of God and it rests richly upon me. It completely surrounds me like a shield, confessions of finances and so on and so forth. So please be sure to pick up uh, this book, it will uh, be a blessing to you. And just a quick reminder, Easter services on Friday, 9.30 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we're going to have a Good Friday service. And on Sunday, 9.30 a.m., we're going to have our Resurrection Sunday uh, with communion. 
And uh, also a quick reminder to all our parents, uh, Faith Kids crew hasn't stopped. So please be sure to talk to your life group leader. They'll be able to send you today's lesson. And straight after this broadcast, we're going to be going up uh, to spend some time with our children and, and go through uh, today's lesson uh, with them and just uh, get them to grow in their faith. I trust that you are blessed with this broadcast. We love you. God bless you. And remember to keep walking by faith and not by Sight. We love We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.